been doing a series for the last, this will be our third week on the names that were prophesied about the coming Messiah. This comes out of Isaiah chapter 9. This is 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And look what it says, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. This is where we see the wonderful counselor. The joy. Men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Here's where we see the mighty God. You have broken, verse 4, the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Preached about that last week. You can go hear it. Verse 5, every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. That's peace. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time. Mighty God, I ask that you would, Lord, pour out the spirit of wisdom and revelation over this word in this time. As we look to your word, we ask that Jesus, you would reveal yourself as more than a nativity character, the, the, the focus of a song, but you would become the real and the living Savior that you are. A God who truly came clothed in human flesh, laid down your life on behalf of each and every person within the sound of my voice. Reveal to us the nature of the real and living God. And may we have an encounter with God Almighty. I pray for a great anointing to be upon this time as we open your word together. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Everybody doing good? It's already been an emotional morning, hasn't it? And we've been a blessing. My wife cried. I cried in the first service a lot, actually. And uh, maybe I will this time. I hope not. But, you know, does anybody just love Jesus? You know, and I think it's okay. You know, we're, we're Pentecostals, and I like, I like feelings. Uh, I really do. I, it's just, you know, you, you get people to criticize, you know, it's not about feelings. It's not about feelings. Bro, tell that to your wife. Now, you're going to get married, but it's not about the emotions, it's not about what you feel. Bro, if you don't feel or express your emotions, you're going to be in trouble. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. If you're in love, you're going to feel some stuff. Praise God. If you've got a friend, you can feel some way. If you've got kids, you're going to feel emotions towards them. It's okay to feel emotions towards God. We don't build our theology around emotions. We build our theology on Scripture. But listen, I believe the Scriptures. I take the Scriptures. It's my foundation. It's my life. I like when the Lord touches me. I like joy in the house of the Lord. I like, I like moments where he stirs my heart and I weep, uh, whether for joy or for mourning. I love these moments that God comes close. And I don't know why I'm sharing that, but 
Emotions are good. Emotions are good. So we have looked in the last couple weeks at the names that are, that are listed in Isaiah. This is a prophecy about Jesus, and he would be the wonderful counselor. We talked about how the Lord desired to be a wonderful counselor in our lives. You see the joy all throughout. I pointed that out. Last week, what a great time we had. We talked about mighty God and how, how Jesus came to destroy the kingdom of darkness and build his kingdom on the earth to destroy our oppression and our weight and our burdens and heal our abuses. How many are thankful that we serve a mighty God? Hallelujah. Now today, now this is interesting. I, I really had to study, and this one, this one challenged me a little bit. Uh, in all my years of preaching, I've been preaching nearly 20 years now. I've never actually preached on this passage of Scripture before. Um, and I've never really just taken the time to, to consider. Now, this isn't a trick question. This is a basic question. Isaiah chapter 9, who is this prophecy about? Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. This prophecy is about Jesus. Now, this what's kind of confusing about this whole thing is the title that we look at today is Everlasting Father. And so it causes me to like, okay, Everlasting Father. You think about the three parts of the Trinity. Anybody know the three parts of the Trinity? It... Yeah, you got it. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm lobbing you softballs here. These aren't trick questions. Yeah, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so, so when I think about, like when we pray, Father, who are we talking to? The Father God, right? When we pray, Holy Spirit, move. You know, Spirit of God, come. We're talking to or about the Holy Spirit. And typically when we use words like son of God or Lord, you know, Lord is mostly attributed to Jesus. And so we say, Lord, you know, we're typically talking about Jesus. What's interesting is this passage here talks about Jesus, but it calls him father. And so what in the world is this? And I'm going to get into this, but, but one of the things that, that, that we must understand is, is uh, you know, people, people try and break down the Trinity. And, and I can give you a couple examples of how people try and explain the Trinity. The Trinity, I, I put this in the notes, which, by the way, this is in the Bible app if you use that. Um, Trinity defined is one God who eternally exists as Three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. You got it? I mean, we don't all, it's really hard to wrap our brain around this, but, uh, but that's the Trinity. God is big, right? There is a, there's another form. Now, so, so, so people try and illustrate this, and I've heard a couple ways that people illustrate it. Oh, it's like an egg, Right? An egg has three parts to it. It's got a shell, it's got a yolk, and it's got a white. And when you put all three of those things together, you have an egg. And I think, well, that's, that kind of makes sense. But here's the problem. If you take a shell by itself and you remove the, the white and the yolk, is it an egg? No, it's not. Uh, if you have just the white or just the yolk, is it still an egg? No. But if you take Jesus, if Jesus stands alone, is Jesus still God? Yes. 
If the Holy Spirit is standing alone, is he still God? Yes, he is. If the Father is standing on his own, is he still God? Yes, he is. So maybe the, the egg isn't the perfect picture. Uh, St. Patrick, many years ago, used the famous illustration of the shamrock. Right? He's like, most shamrocks have three clovers on them, and so you've got you know, the three parts, but it makes one shamrock. And I'm uh, like, well, that makes sense. But again, you kind of run into the same issue. If you have one leaf clover, is that a whole shamrock? Debatable, but probably not. And so I've heard other people say, oh, it's like water. Are you guys interested in this? I, I hope this helps you some. Trying to understand the Trinity. It's like, it's like H2O. It can be in liquid form, water. It could be in gaseous form, vapor. Or it could be in solid form, ice. But again, some people have said, well, no, that's modalism. And you say, well, what's modalism, Pastor Jacob? It's the idea, I, I put the, the actual theological definition in the notes is kind of confusing but it essentially is this that God at different times has manifested himself in different modes that he appeared in one particular time as the father and in a different season he was the son and in a different season he was the Holy Spirit but they do not coexist at the same time that is heresy everybody say heresy that means that if you believe that, you're probably not going to heaven. So we need to get our theology right, okay? And theology is important. That's why I say we build our foundation on Scripture. We build our theology on Scripture. But I also want to experience Jesus. I want to experience the Holy Ghost. I want to experience the embrace of the Father. Now, here's what's interesting. There was a physicist. It took me a second to find it, so I made sure I knew where it was. There was a physicist named Edward Rain from Cambridge University, and he was performing experiments on H2O. And here's what he found out. This is amazing. There is a very particular temperature, and he's got it down to the decimal, where water begins to transition to ice. But during that transition, there's actually a very particular moment down on the molecular level that it literally begins to displace vapor. And at this particular moment, water can simultaneously be liquid and gaseous and solid all at the same time. So if there was an illustration we could use to express the trinity i think the water is maybe the best one but at the end of the day friend none of them are perfect god is way bigger than water he's way bigger than an egg or a shamrock he's he's god and all i'm trying to do is maybe help you wrap your mind around well you say pastor jacob what does the physicist and the trinity have to do with christmas here let me give you a, a connection here in the year 325 there was a gathering of religious leaders, and they were having debates over the Trinity. In particular, what role does Jesus play in the Godhead? And there was a guy named Arius, and he actually said, you know, Jesus is God, but he's not as much God as the Father God. And he actually started making this claim that, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is God, but he's a lesser God than what the Father is, which actually flies in the face of a lot of New Testament theology. And there was one young priest who was so upset at what Arius was saying. He counted it as blasphemy. And they began to debate over this thing to the degree that he finally hauled off and punched Arius in the mouth. This is a true story. 
It's called the Council of Nicaea. Do you know who that young priest was? Saint Nicholas. Absolutely. Twas the Council of Nicaea. And all through the house, everyone was shocked as Santa Claus punched Arius in the mouth. This is a true story, which, by the way, on the category of truth, my wife said, don't, don't ruin Santa for anybody. But did you know that Santa, he was a Turkish man who actually went down. The Council of Nicaea was in Egypt. And uh, so I don't know if you got a, a white Santa with rosy cheeks, uh, paint him brown. He was Turkish, okay? So anyway, he's a Middle Eastern. Make him look like me. So... I looked at our nativity scene that we've got in our, in, our, uh, in our house. We've got, you know, Mary and Joseph and the wise men, and Hulk was in the nativity scene. I don't know how that happened, but that's not theologically accurate either. So, so what? all right, let me get back on track. Sorry. So how is Jesus the everlasting Father? Now this is what's interesting, and in and, and, and Hebrew culture, I'm not going to break it down, I actually put a lot of these notes in here, but what I want you to understand, everlasting Father, Father within the Hebrew culture, they would say that if somebody is the possessor of strength, they would call them the Father of strength. And you can, I, I, I actually gave, a, I wrote down about, five examples in in your notes if you want to look at that uh, the father of knowledge is intelligent or if somebody is good they would call them the father of goodness so the idea is simply that if you are the possessor of an attribute or even you know a household then you would be called the father of whatever it is that you possess. Does that, does that make sense? Even Jesus used this when he was having a debate with, with the Pharisees on one occasion. You claim to uh, be the Son of God. You're claiming all of these things, and they're going back and forth with Jesus. And he said, um, you know, if I agree with what you say, if anybody ever thinks that Jesus is nice, just read John chapter 8 sometime. He's like, I can't say that because if I say that, then I would be a liar like you no for real that's exactly what he says and then later on in the conversation he says you guys are like your father the devil and here he has this theme it's like you you guys say you belong to the father if you've seen me you've seen the father because he and I are we're together I don't do or say anything unless he is leading me to do it but he says you guys are reflecting a liar you are reflecting the father of lies, who is your father, the devil. And so here we see this idea where even Jesus used this terminology that if, that if, I, if I am responsible for you, if I am over you, if I possess you, then I am your father. And this, I believe, is the context in which the Bible is saying that Jesus, the Messiah, would be our everlasting father. I'm not saying that he takes the place of Father God or, you know, that, you know, don't go get weird with theology, but it's just saying that we belong to Jesus. Do you understand? We belong to Jesus. And so there's, there's three ideas that I want to communicate just, just over the next couple moments. The title Father, 
when attributed to Jesus, first of all, speaks of redemption. Everybody say redemption. Redemption means that we have been brought back to, literally purchased back to Jesus. Because there's a time, we can dog on the Pharisees all we want, but how many of you understand? There was a time where we all were under the dominion of Satan. We were all sold in sin, but Jesus loved us enough that he saw a people who were oppressed, and he says, I'm going to shed my blood so I can pay the price and purchase them back to myself. That's redemption, that literally a price is paid to purchase and bring us back to him. You understand? So it's like this. I don't know if anybody grew up. You know, with, uh, you know, you, you buy a soda from a gas station, and you open the cap, and on the inside, there was the potential to win a prize. You guys remember this? You know, now they've got, like, you know, websites and codes that you got to go over here and do all this kind of stuff, and I don't know if you can even win anything. Used to be, I win. You know, you go to the counter and say, hey, I got a free soda, and you'd get the free soda. You would redeem it. And there was, I verified this in the first service. Did any of you guys ever have those, uh, the Tootsie Pops? And supposedly, I never knew if this was true or not until the first service, and I was thankful. But you, uh, if you got the one where it had the star, if you had the one with the star on it, the guy shooting it with the bow and arrow, you could take and you could get another Tootsie Pop. My problem is I paid for the Tootsie Pop. I had times where I had the, the rapper with the star. I never redeemed it. Never cashed it in. And, and this is kind of the state. You get like goofy illustrations for weighty theological issues. You got people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, but they've not been redeemed. They haven't taken advantage of the free gift that has been made available to them. So cash in the Tootsie Pop. Get your redemption, right? And so that's what. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Colossians 1 and verse 13 says, He delivered us from the power of darkness, and He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom, this is talking about Jesus, we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back to Him. The title father, the second thing that it indicates to us that it speaks to is adoption. Everybody say adoption. Did you know that you have been adopted by Jesus? Turn to your neighbor and say, you've been adopted. So here's what I want you to understand. You've not been bought out of one slave system and brought into a different slave system. Some of you guys are still telling your neighbor they got adopted. You're going to see in a minute, that's not a jab. You can try and give somebody a hard time. You're adopted, you know. We, tell, you know, we used to tell my younger brother that all the time. You know you, you, know you were adopted, right? And so, you realize in the kingdom of God, that's not an insult as much as we might throw that around in a hurtful way. Um, but the Bible says... Romans 8, that we have not received a spirit of bondage to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I love that. That, that Abba, it was actually, um, they took that word, it's a, it's a Hebrew word actually, and in the Hebraic 
uh, verbiage, what would happen is when a baby was just learning to babble, very often the first sounds that would come out of their mouth are just a ba, 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 ba. Right? And that literally is what Abba. It's the first sounds that a baby is making. And they attributed that to the Father. And so this is the idea that when we have been adopted, we, we move out of the bondage of the world and the kingdom of darkness, and now we have Abba. It's this intimate, fatherly figure. And not just that, like, I get to hang out with somebody else's dad. No, he becomes my dad. He becomes my father. Now, I'm still not a big fan of when people talk to Daddy God and all this kind of stuff, but that's between you and the Lord. It's biblical. It is biblical. I just don't. Uh, I prefer terms of reverence, I suppose. So um, that's just me. That's preference, okay? But you have been adopted if you've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Now, here's the last one, and this is, this is the most well, I won't say it's the most important. Redemption is probably the most important. If you don't have that, you don't have anything else. But number three, the title Father speaks to inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. Here's what I want you to understand. You have not only been adopted, but the Bible says, John 3, 3, you have been born again. The Bible says now, Acts 17, 29, that you are his offspring. That means that you are not just, you're not just an adopted child who now, you know, yeah, he's kind of part of the family, but he's adopted. No, you have been born again and you are literally considered the offspring of God. This is a big deal. I don't know if we understand this. Jesus was actually condemned to death because he made one claim. I am the son of God. And that doesn't seem like a big deal to us. Like we, we call Jesus the son of God all the time. We have teachings and we've received, you know, this whole idea that I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the most high God. I pray it on a daily basis. But you have to understand that in the culture they were dealing with, in fact, they made the accusation to Jesus. They said um, in Romans 8, uh, no, 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 not that one. Oh, I didn't write it down. They accused Jesus. I think it's Ma uh, John chapter 5. John, yeah, it is. John chapter 5 and verse 18. The, the Pharisees accuse him. He said God was his father making himself equal with God. That was the reason. Like, that was the nail in the coffin. That was the moment that they said, this guy's a blasphemer. When he said, I am the son of God, he was claiming equality with God the Father when he claimed to be his son. And we understand that, right? When, when, when Pastor Josh Morocco calls me on the phone, I understand he's not just a pastor within our organization. No, he is the son of our apostolic leader. And he carries the authority of that. You watch, and, and, and man, there's, there's moments where it's like, this guy is the heir to the throne. Whether it's in a kingdom setting or, or whatever it may be. But, but here's what's mind-boggling. Jesus knew he was the son of God. And with that came authority 
and rights. There were inheritance. But here's what's crazy. When we come into Jesus, we have been adopted, and now we've been born again. We also have inheritance and authority and power. This is why I'll stand up here on a Sunday morning and unashamedly unafraid will pray for healing for individuals. You say, by what authority do you do that? I'm a son. That's what Jesus, that's the inheritance that was left to me. This is why I see people manifest demons. And man, I'll go after it. I don't run away. I run right into that situation. We've had that on many occasions. My son, we went for a home visit one time. The lady starts manifesting demons. My son got to sit there while she was going crazy. Praise God. And, uh, but you know what? I mean, my wife was there as well, and we ministered to this woman of God. We didn't run away. We didn't call the psych ward. No, we, this woman needs freedom. And we stood in authority. Why? By what authority? I'm a son. She's a daughter. Even my, even my son, he's a son. You understand? You, 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 children, if we taught them, if we raised them, they could cast out devils. They really could. If I die, call for children to, to raise me up, please. Okay? I mean, for real. I, I, these guys have faith. They know who they belong to. That's what it is to be, to be uh, a son or a daughter of the Most High God. This should be well known to those who have been raised in the Hawaiian culture. There's this concept that they call Hanai children. Or Hanai kids. How many of you have heard this term before? This is like, this is where somebody is received into your family, but it's not just like, I've got my four kids, oh, and also this Hanai kid. No. When you Hanai somebody, they're family. They're family. These are my five kids, including all of them. You guys understand. And so, I know we made light of the idea that you've been adopted. Hmm. You have been adopted. You've also been Hanai. You have been received as family. And you have, that, that's a blood relationship, by the way. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. It's not just like, yeah, you can come and hang out and oh, I'll give you a room for a, for a temporary uh, time. No, you have been bought by blood. And we are family. That's Hanai. And that's the relationship that we have with God Almighty. Now, I've got one more idea. Minister Ryland, would you come? I'm, I'm coming to a close here. We have been redeemed. We have been adopted. And we have an inheritance. Or you may even want to write in there, Hanai. Okay? That's what you are. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. As many as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. You are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That's huge, friend. If Jesus as a son 
had access and authority. You, as a son or a daughter, also have access and authority. If you get that one idea, it will change the way you pray. It will change the way you live your life. It will change everything about you. This is identity. I know who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. But you'll notice that Jesus isn't just called Father. He's called our everlasting Father. Our eternal Father. We all know what it's like to have a president who rules for a number of years and then he's out. We see kings or queens and they're there for a number of years and then they're out. That's not the kind of king that King Jesus is. Forever. For all eternity. When he redeems us, it's not just like, for a little bit you can stay with me. When you turn 18, you're on your own, right? We've had fathers like that, many of us. It's not the kind of father he is. Your family, your blood, you have an inheritance, and it's forever. It's forever. Christmas has always kind of been a, a challenging time for me personally. And the reason is, is because the last memory I have of my earthly father was the morning he shows up, Christmas morning, he walks in, he gives my brother and I a gift, and he walks out the door and never saw him again. And so every year Christmas comes, and attached to that is this pain of abandonment, fatherlessness. And so my mom, you know, Jake, why don't you want to help us set up the tree? Why don't you, why don't you get excited to put up the lights? And, uh, and I just, I just didn't. There's pain wrapped up in those things for me. Remember, as I'm getting right with God, someone had encouraged me. Well, if you want to learn how to pray, take the Lord's prayer. So I began to take Matthew six, and I and I got messed up. Two words into the prayer. Are Father. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't get it. And there was this hardness. I, I know that's what opened me to the world of drugs. Medicate. You know, whatever. And I'll never forget this day that a minister showed up at Christ for the Nations. And he wanted to minister to that father wound. He stood as a father, first of all, and he apologized on behalf of fathers. And he says, I'm sorry for abandoning you. I'm sorry for abusing you. I'm sorry I didn't care for you. And he repented before us on behalf of our fathers. I know as I, as I talk about this, at least half of this room, statistically, it's even higher in Hawaii. You grew up without a father. I know that. And even if you had your father in your life, I know that he was not perfect. But remember this minister gets up and he, he says, some of you never even had the chance for a father to tuck you in bed and read you a bedtime story. 
And he did the goofiest thing. He got up and he read to us a children's story. It wasn't even a Christian book. It was like, I don't know, Winnie the Pooh or something. It was just like, you know, it was just a, but it was a kid's book. And he says, get comfortable. If you want to lay down on the floor, go ahead. And, and we did. We all got comfortable and they turned the lights down low and he read to us a children's book. And you could hear crying all throughout the room. It's like, oh, daddy, you know, it's, it was one of those moments. But it began me on this path of healing. And it started this process, and it is a process, where then I would approach our Father. God, I don't understand that. I didn't have that. But I know you desire to be that for me, and so will you reveal what it is to have a Father in heaven? And I read stuff like this, and it's like, Jesus, part of the reason you suffered was to adopt me and then hanai me that we're blood we're family i'm not just your adopted you know stepchild no i am your son and you want to be not just my temporary father not just a guardian for a season but my everlasting father oh my jesus you love me with an everlasting love. Can we just put our hand over our heart? I'm... As a father, today I stand before you and I apologize. I repent. sorry as a father if I hurt you I'm sorry for the abuse and for hurtful words I'm sorry I abandoned you in the time that you needed me or I'm sorry I didn't express my love for you the way that you deserved I was wounded that's why I wounded and I stand as a father representing your father and I say, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Lord, I'm asking that all across this room, Jesus, would you reveal yourself as the everlasting father? That you have redeemed us. You have adopted us. And we have an inheritance because we're family. We're your sons, we're your daughters. And Lord, I'm asking, I know that I can't pray one prayer and it fix everything, but God, I'm asking that today you would begin a process in our lives where we would understand what it is to have a heavenly Father, an everlasting Father who loves us beyond description. Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to us today. Move into the depths of our heart and the depths of our lives. And minister to those areas we've been wounded. Heal us. Raise us up.
and help us to be to others what we never had. Oh, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen.